We interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. Coolio sets off on his most adventuresome quest yet. Hey, it's Coolio if you don't know, and welcome to yet another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky, and also your home for the weekend times. It is Friday, it is 5 p.m., it is time to sit back, kick back, relax, and all those other things that sound like those um yes i kind of derailed there but that's what i do um so yeah let's go take a look at what is going on over at lowbiasgaming.net let's see what uh is available to watch over there now uh jason brings us two new episodes of final fantasy 7 as well as two new ep oh four new episodes of gun uh, Scarlet with four new episodes of Blood, as well as uh, three new episodes of Duke Nukem 3D Life's a Beach, and uh, four new episodes of Darkest Dungeon. And finally, Jason with two new episodes of Little King Story. That's all available over at lowbiasgaming.net. All good stuff. Give it a watch. A uh, new episode of Mystery Science Theater Classic uh, Teenage Strangler Season 5 Episode 14 is available, as well as the um, soundtracks for Mega Man Unlimited and Mega Man X Command Mission. That's uh, pretty good stuff going on around there. Anyway, I think that's about it for what comes at the beginning of the show. Let us go on and see what we can find in the archives, but first a little bit of music from that very game as we usually do you're listening to square wave symphony on ckdu 88.1 fm halifax
You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That song was by David Wise and is the theme song of today's game from the archives. Oh, Scarlet, 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 why do you post, like, completely the wrong thing? Anyway, King Karul has stolen Donkey Kong's banana stash and Donkey Kong needs your help to get them back. In search of Karul, the crumbling horde impedes your progress. Crumbling's crocodile-like creatures include critters, they succumb to a simple jump on the head, crushes, they are virtually indestructible, and others. There are also uh, other enemies that block your path, such as beavers, snakes, vultures. Leading them are, are dastardly bosses, including very naughty Neki, Queen Bee, and Dum Drum in the bar the way with their own special blend of villainy. This is Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo uh, that was developed by Rare, published by Nintendo, and released in 1994, and is a platformer game, of course. Um, yeah, it is the uh, game that pretty much started the whole um, pretty much Rare uh releasing 3D games started with Donkey Kong Country and um, has gotten them to where they are today which is ironically as a second party company to Microsoft but um, it all started here and Scarlet has played that game for us uh, along with the female uh, there are 12 episodes available on lowbiasgaming.net give it a look
That was Delta Centauri with Please Define the Error. Hmm. And you are listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And we are back here at Square Wave Symphony at CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio, if you don't know. And it is time, as usual, for the news of the weird. As usual, I will mention first that I am looking for something similar to news of the weird in the same sort of digest format, but not exactly news of the weird, so I'm not reading the same thing as Jason Parton of uh, Electric Leftovers. But... Um, if you have any suggestions, please let me know over at SquareSim, S-Y-M, on Twitter. Secondly, I do not read these stories ahead of time, and some of these may not jive well with all audiences. This segment is about usually 12 to 14 minutes long, sometimes a little longer, so take that as you will. Our lead story, you can't say, you can't say, listeners, that he wasn't warned. I'll show you why, apparently. Uh, Some people can get pretty territorial about their food. So it appeared in Colleton County, South Carolina on September 29th uh, when Ryan Dean Langdale, 19, warned his 17-year-old cousin not to eat his salt and vinegar potato chips. Do not touch my chips or I'll shoot you, Langdale told his cousin according to a sheriff's incident report. I'm sure you can see where this is going. The Charleston Post and Courier uh, reported Langdale then went into another room, retrieved a rifle, and, quote, the rifle went off, according to the sheriff's document. Langdale summoned help, but told uh, police his cousin had accidentally shot himself while cleaning the rifle. Officers didn't think this story held up. The pathway of the bullet through the victim's chest was, quote, impossible if he had mistakenly shot himself, said Sheriff's Major J.W. Chapman. Sure enough, when the victim was questioned after undergoing surgery, he told officers the savory snacks were at the center of the dispute. Langdale surrendered on October 10th and was charged with, among other crimes, attempted murder. Over chips. My goodness, people. Salt and vinegar are not great to begin with. Anyway, let's move on. Compelling explanations, just as we have just seen. Yuri Zhokov, 41, a factory worker in Donetsk, Russia, was found kneeling in a field in in early October with a knife handle sticking out of the top of his head. Zokov was conscious, and when questioned by police, he, he revealed he had stuck the 8-inch blade in himself. He was having trouble breathing tr- through his nose, he explained, and hoped to make another hole he could breathe through. But the knife became stuck, and he couldn't remove it. OddityCentral.com, maybe I should check that website out, reports... <laughs> Yes. Reports doctors at the local hospital were afraid of touching the knife for fear of killing Zhokov or causing brain damage. It was horrific, a hospital spokesperson told local media. uh, X-rays showed the blade, quote, exactly between the two hemispheres of the brain. That's lucky. Specialists were called and Zhokov 
survived the surgery without apparent brain damage, although surgeons are concerned about infection. Wow. Right in between the brain. Not in the brain, in between the brain. That's... You are lucky that you are not hit with Charles Darwin in the face. Or perhaps the nasal cavities, which you now have more of. Uh, our next story, just kidding. Well, it'd be nice if that last story was just kidding, but anyway. An alert, or nosy, passerby called police and nosy again. What the? Anyway, called police on October 10th after seeing staff through the window of a NatWest bank in Birmingham, England, hiding and cowering under their desks. Officers arrived at the bank in hopes of catching a robber red-handed, but instead were told the workers were participating in a team-building game of hide-and-seek. West Midlands Police Chief Inspector Dave Keane tweeted that, although the ins- excuse me, although the incident was a misunderstanding, the citizen made quote the right call. Reported Metro News. Team-building hide-and-seek. Please explain to me how that works. I would love to know. Uh, weird signs, ladies and gentlemen. In Olympic National Park in Washington, uh, the mountain goat population has ballooned. That's how it's written. That's not on me. It's not me making that joke. That's them. Has ballooned to an unnatural 700 or more animals. The park is also becoming more popular with humans, which has led to an unsavory consequence. In their constant quest for salt and other minerals, the goats have developed a strong taste for human urine and sweat left, left behind by hikers and campers. Goats will lick clothing and paw at the ground where people have urinated or disposed of cooking water, making them a nuisance, according to the National Park Service. Popular Mechanics also reports that the increased likelihood of human-goat interactions has park officials worried, especially since a goat gored a hiker to death in 2010. The answer? Park officials are tagging, blindfolding, and airlifting mountain goats to nearby, nearby Mount Baker Snoqualmie National Forest, which should be more hospitable to their needs. Gross. Um, that's really all I had to say about that. Our next story, Smooth Reaction. On October 12th, an Air India Express pilot guided a Boeing 737 up and away from Tiru... Oh boy. Tiruchirappalli, Tiruchirappalli International Airport in Tamil Nadu, India, but not enough up and away. As the plane took off shortly after midnight, it hit the top of a five-foot-tall perimeter wall and, and destroyed a small landing guide tower. The Washington Post reported that, despite the audible collision, the pilot told the airport director the plane's systems were functioning normally and he was continuing toward Dubai across the Indian Ocean. But we found some parts of the plane, like an antenna, on the ground, the director said. Finally, about two hours into the flight, ground control convinced the pilot to return to India, where the plane landed in Mumbai. Indeed, there was a huge gash in the plane's underbelly, and mesh fencing was wrapped around the landing gear. 
All 130 passengers arrived unharmed and were booked on other flights, and the pilot and co-pilot have been grounded pending a review. When a kid gets grounded, they just have to stay in their rooms. When a pilot gets grounded, they literally have to stay on the ground. It's kind of a more literal definition, I suppose. Anyway, questionable judgment. Hatam Hamad, 56, a Palestinian and American dual citizen, made a name for himself on October 10th as he flew from New Orleans to Heathrow Airport in London, reported Fox News. Six hours into the flight, after a swigging five servings of wine, Hamad approached New Orleans TV executive Joel Villemanet, who was sitting with his wife and two children. <clears throat> this man had his penis out and exposed within three inches of my face, Villemanet said in his statement to the Uxbridge Magistrates Court Prosecutor Wendy Barrett. Villemanet said he stood up and asked Hamad what he was doing, whereupon Hamad, quote, responded by grunting and exposed himself to another passenger. At that moment, Hamad, quote, slapped Villemanet in the chest with some force. The cabin crew were alerted and Hamad was removed to the back of the plane where he was guarded for the remainder of the flight. Hamad, who has no previous convictions, at first denied having assaulted anyone, but later admitted his guilt, saying he had not drunk alcohol for three months, but was a nervous flyer. His prison sentence was suspended, but he was ordered to pay Villemanet $789. I could make a certain remark right now, but I'm not going to. Um, but as far as... So you're nervous on the plane, you get drunk, and then you go around saying, Hey everybody, here's my doodle. Hmm. I don't see how that follows, but I suppose if you're drunk, you might do things that are a little questionable and get you listed on News of the Weird. The continuing crisis, ladies and gentlemen, in an apparent attempt to destroy what little brain power he had left, uh, Hatam Hamad, 56, no. 26-year-old Brandon McVeigh of Council Bluffs, Iowa, ate a Tide Pod, prompting a trip to the hospital. I thought people had stopped doing that. Why? Anyway. But while he was being treated in the critical care unit, McVeigh went on a rampage early on October 4th, causing thousands of dollars of damage to medical equipment, according to the Omaha World Herald. A nurse told the responding police officer that McVeigh, quote, was yelling loudly as he broke objects in his room before proceeding to the hallway. Keyboards, computer monitors, and glass valued at more than $7,500 were found littering the hallway where McVeigh was subdued by security before police arrived. McVeigh was arrested and held at the hospital on charges of second-degree criminal mischief and disorderly conduct in a place of business. I'm just shaking my head right now. I'm just shaking my head. Why are people still eating Tide Pods? Well, it's not for me to question. This is the thing that has happened. We're just going to talk about people different from us. 
West Virginia Metro News reported that for Jackie Fulmer, 37, of Fairmont, West Virginia, October 9th, started uh, trying start with trying to steal cars, uh, rather car keys, from a woman at Knife Point. Excuse me. When police caught up to her, she ran uh, toward their car with a hatchet and knife, prompting a deputy to shoot her with a stun gun. Fulmer turned to verbal attacks while being transported to the Fairmont Police Department, warning officers she was going to stab them in the neck and wash their, quote, blood drain as she drank it. Which, as it turns out, she could have done because she had a knife hidden between her buttocks. This is getting stranger by the sentence. That weapon was found during booking, and Fulmer admitted that she had slashed the seatbelt in the police cruiser with it before threatening to slit the officer's throats. She was charged with threats of terrorist acts and attempted robbery. Wow. I mean, there are people who identify as vampires. I know a couple of people identify as vampires they're not aggressive people okay they are not they're perhaps a, a little strange against the norm but not this just not this people with issues Jackie Fulmer 30 I need to I've already done that joke I need to not do it again Anyway, our last story, People with Issues. As Hermes Kalihas Gasparin's mother cooked his dinner on October 8th in Bradenton, Florida, she accidentally bumped into her 22-year-old son. That's when he lost it, the New York Post reported, pelting her with the sausages she was frying and putting his hands on her neck. Doesn't take much sometimes, I guess. The Manatee County Sheriff's Office said Kalias Gasparin told officers he just wanted his mom to apologize, but he was arrested and charged with misdemeanor domestic battery. Misdemeanor? Really? There's a good way to approach that. You say, you have bumped into me. Would you please apologize? And then the other person said, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I must have been a bit careless. I apologize. Mm, nice and amicable. The, the person bumping can just do the apologizing uh, in the first place, and this would never happen. Take it from a Canadian. <laughs> That's what I am. That's what most of us are. Anyway. Well, I mean, all Canadians are Canadians. <laughs> Moving on. Um, moving on to the weather, and, uh, it has gotten pretty chilly out there. Um, it is currently 6 degrees here in Halifax and partly cloudy. Uh, increasing cloudiness tonight with a, um, low of 5 degrees, which is an abnormal temperature trend, I want to point out since it's marked right here. Saturday, October 20th, periods of rain and a high of 15. The rain will continue at night with a low of 6. Sunday, October 21st, cloudy and 14 degrees, going down to a low of 1 at night in cloudy periods. 
Monday, October 22nd, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 6 going down to a low of 0 in cloudy periods at night. Not quite in the minuses, but it's a matter of time. Uh, Tuesday, October 23rd, uh, 30% chance of showers and a high of 8 degrees going down to a low of 3 and showers at night. Those showers will continue on Wednesday, October 24th with, with a high of 9 going down to a low of 3 degrees and cloudy periods at night. And Thursday, October 25th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 8 degrees. You are listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax and let's get to some music, shall we?
And that was Energy Drink 8-Bit by Ghost774. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio, if you don't know, and today I want to talk about, well, actually a few games. Now, these are not going to be a full review of any of them, but these are all games that I have so far enjoyed for as much as I've played them, so I want to give them a look, and hopefully you will enjoy and uh, take from this what you will. Mm, excuse me. So the first game on the docket today is Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Well, okay, not quite. I'm talking about Torna, the Golden Country, which is the expansion to Xenoblade Chronicles 2. This was released for the Switch both as an expansion pack and as an individual standalone game on September 14th, 2018 and is an action RPG just as the original game is. This expansion takes place 500 years before the original, uh, before the Golden Country was torn apart by the Aegis. <laughs> See what I did there with the... Uh... Anyway... Uh, particularly, the game follows Laura, who was the driver of Jin, the paragon of Torna, who mainly play, plays an antagonist role in the main game. We also get to learn more about the legendary hero Adam, who was the driver of the Aegis, a very much more sour Mithra than she is now. It's very interesting to see the parallels between the original game and this one with a few scenes copied word for word as they're happening basically live instead of being re remembered in flashback cutscenes. The main draw of this game is the combat system. Uh, though the rest of the game plays very similarly to the original, many changes were made to how fighting works, as driver blade combat worked very differently 500 years ago. Rather than having three blades to pick from, you only get two. However, it is possible in this game to take direct control of your blade, who has their own arts to work with. Also, HP is managed much differently. Taking hits inflicts recoverable damage, which is recovered instantly by performing a vanguard switch, that is to say swapping between blade and driver in mid-combat. Thus, the game encourages the player to be a little more active in their combat choices rather than just sticking with one blade 99% of the time, like I did in the original. As a little ad added bonus, uh, there is also no... Um, excuse me. There is also no grinding of rare blades. You get the story set of blades and that's it. So you don't have to spend a million hours trying to get that last elusive one and you know which one you are uh, yes in any case cosmos i'm talking to you in any case if you enjoyed xenoblade 2 and want to learn more about its story this is definitely a game to pick up if you're iffy about xenoblade 2 because of the combat system then this may still be worth checking out Keep in mind that this is available as a standalone game, so you don't need to have the original to play this. The second game is Ukulele. This is a 
Lily is you've seen it around I'm sure this is a 3d platformer developed by Playtonic Games published by Team 17 and released on PS4 Xbox One and PC on April 11th 2017 with a switch release on December 14th of the same year better late than never uh, so here's the story. Benj, I mean Yuka the Chameleon, is enjoying the day with his friend Kazoo, I mean Laylee Le- the Bat, who had found a mystical looking book in the shipwreck that they've made into their home. Little do they know that Grinted. <clears throat> Capital B, CEO of Hivery Towers, is looking for that very book and with the help of Klung. <laughs> Dr. Quack has created a a machine to suck up every book in the world in an attempt to acquire the one book in Laylee's possession. Though they managed to grab it, all of the jig pages managed to escape from it, and the first one they find explained the significance of the one book's power, which could be a terrible thing in the wrong hands. Thus, it's up to Yuko and Laylee to get the one book, along with all of its pages, back into their hands and out of capital B's. You may have noticed that I was using a lot of uh, names from a different game there. Well, Ukulele basically is Banjo-Kazooie, except replace every name and concept Rare owns with a new IP. In fact, the majority of the Platonic development team is made up of former Rare employees who wanted to create a spiritual successor to the Bear-Briegel combo, as well as bring back the collectathon subgenre in general. The game tries really hard to push the whole Banjo-Kazooie aesthetic and definitely gets the point across. Even the moveset which Yuka and Laylee accumulate is very similar for the most part to their progenitors. One big difference is that instead of needing to collect a million different types of pickups for abilities such as red feathers for fly, gold feathers from durability, three or four different kinds of eggs and so on, abilities are a little more unified in that certain of them use energy instead. This energy is refilled by a passive uh, pa- either Blah. This energy is refilled either passively by waiting long enough or by collecting butterflies which alternatively can be eaten by Yuka to refill health. The energy bar can be extended with pickups as can the health bar and only one is needed per extension uh, for both rather than hunting for a dozen or so for a single point. In addition, there are actually about half the levels in ukulele as in Banjo-Kazooie with a lot more stuff to pick up per level. Over double, in fact. A certain number of pages are required to open a level, thereafter the level can be expanded with some more pages to unlock the level's boss, as well as open up the rest of the level's challenges, pickups, and so on. All in all, ukulele definitely holds a candle to Banjo-Kazooie, though some might consider it borderline plagiarist for how similar the two games are. Still, if that doesn't bother you all that much, it's a good game to scratch that exploration itch if you have it. However, be prepared for the enormous levels which will no doubt prove daunting to people who feel the need to 100% everything. Suffice it to say, though I'm enjoying the game, I'm not looking forward to finding every little thing in it, unless there are mechanics to help to help out with that in the post-game. 
finally, let's take a quick look at Final Fantasy XV. This game was developed and published by Square Enix and released for the PS4 and Xbox One on November 29, 2016, with a subsequent P uh, PC release on March 6, 2018, which is the one that I'm playing. This game that... Uh, <laughs> This game, which happens on the world of Eos, uh, primarily follows the story of Noctis Lucis Calum, Crown, Crown Prince of Lucis, who was entered in an I can't talk anymore apparently, who was entered into an arranged marriage with Lunafreya Nox Floray, oracle and former princess of Tenebrae because, I don't know, I guess that's what kingdoms do all the time, strengthening relations I guess? Anyway, before Noctis and his entourage are able to get to Altissia for the royal wedding, an attack on Niflheim, capital of Lucis, takes place and likely because King Regis refused to make someone a millionaire, he is assassinated and both Noctis and Lunafrey are declared dead, despite the fact that uh, they weren't anywhere in the vicinity at the time. If it seems like I'm not fully into this plot right now, it's because I'm basically writing this from looking at a synopsis of the beginning of the game, and have only played it for a few hours, taking time to side quests as I like to do. As a note, this is the first Final Fantasy game I've played since 10, so I don't really know much about how combat has evolved throughout the series other than it has moved toward a more open and live combat system. In this game in particular, most of the combat is done by holding one button to enter a defensive stance to dodge incoming attacks, and holding a different button to keep attacking a target, occasionally throwing a third button in there to perform warp strikes, which are pretty much what they sound like. In addition, it's possible to perform combination attacks with other party members. On one hand, this seems like a pretty novel way to implement combat, and it does have some interesting intricacies to it. On the other hand, when dealing with multiple targets, it can get difficult to figure out which target to focus, which can result in damage being spread around, rather than concentrating on each target to take them down faster. On top of that, and this is probably one of the more jarring changes, um, experience levels don't go up on the field. In order to gain levels, the party needs to rest either at an inn or by setting up camp to count up and apply the accumula accumulated experience points. This can get a little annoying while hunting bounties. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, as recommended, experience levels keep going up while the character's levels don't unless an aside is taken to do so. However, ability points are also gained from things like battles, bounties, and quests, and these accumulate instantly and can be used immediately on the ascension grid for things like passive combat and field bonuses. Anyway, I haven't played much of Final Fantasy F 15 numbers, Latin numbers, no less, to form a complete opinion, but despite its flaws, it does have a certain charm to it, which I'm enjoying so far, and I do look forward to delving further into this game. So that's my look into a few games I've been playing recently. I realize that I tend to have kind of an optimistic look toward a lot of games, which people might see as mediocre at best sometimes, but I'd rather always approach the uh, games with an open mind rather than instantly being cynical about everything. Most games do end up having that one thing that sets them apart, and in the end it's all about figuring out what that is and deciding if that thing appeals to you or not. Sometimes you may just be surprised if you give a game half a chance. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU. 
W88.1 FM Halifax. That was Kabar with Did You Get My Text? And you are listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I found a thing, uh, listeners. I have found a thing that will share that thing with you in a segment that I like to call very originally so. I found a thing. Sometimes, especially when you're younger, you might get an interest or two that the other kids will think are is really weird, and that kid is really weird. And we're going to tease her and you know bug her and all that. Especially in this case where we are talking about a girl who likes bugs. But uh, sometimes you just gotta stick to your laurels and um, you might get published at the tender age of eight. 
this is an article from the week, uh, and it is called "Bug Loving Girl Who Was Teased at School." Co-authors research paper, and it is written by. I don't know. It's not listed. Um, yes. So Sophia Spencer, eight, featured in a PhD's uh, in a PhD student's article after her mother appealed to scientists for help. An eight-year-old amateur entomologist who was teased for her unusual hobby has featured in a research paper after the scientific community took her under their wing. Sophia Spencer from Ontario loves nothing more than showing off her latest insect find, but often finds herself the butt of jokes. After schoolmates mocked her weird and strange interests, I really thought loving bugs wasn't the best hobby, she told NPR. Afraid that her daughter would be discouraged from pursuing her passion, Sophie's mother, Nicole Spencer, reached out to, entomolo- to the entomology- uh, Entomological Society of Canada for support last year. She's often teased at school by her peers because she will proudly display her current bug friend on her shoulder, she wrote in a letter posted to Twitter by the Society. I was wondering if a professional entomologist would speak to her over the phone to encourage her love and explain to her how she could make this into a career. Nicole said that, quote, even five minutes of conversation with a real-life bug expert would be welcomed. However, the scientific community's response went far beyond her modest request. The tweet was shared more than a thousand times, and response, the responses soon poured in from entomologists. Women in the field were especially motivated to share their passion and expertise with a budding female scientist, many using the hashtag BugsR4Girls. Uh, here are a couple of tweets here from Je- Dr. Jessica Elware. Uh, lab, she can contact my lab anytime. We are happy to send her papers, nets, whatever will keep her entomology passion going. Uh, Nina Zatani uh, at Papilovorus, seven insect species named after me. And I think I can help with this. Happy to show her insect collection at Western U Bio. bio. Hashtag bugs are for girls. And finally, Julia Korcheva at Korcheva Lab, uh, at Ken Entomologist, I've been that girl, became an entomologist, and still proudly wear bugs on my shoulder. Hashtag bugs are for girls. Sophia told NPR that the wave of support uh, changed her own outlook as well as that of her classmates. After I realized bugs are for girls, I thought to myself, well, I think I should start loving bugs again, just because just people... Just because people say they're weird and gross doesn't mean I shouldn't like them. Kids now, uh, after I told them the whole story, they're like, Oh, well, could you teach me more about bugs? Her experience inspired Morgan D. Jackson, the PhD student who runs the Entomological, uh, Entomological Society of Canada's Twitter account to write a research paper exploring the story's implications for, quote, scientific societies using social media and the promotion of women in science. A year later, Sophie has achieved the milestone that many grown-up scientists worked for for years. She's been cited as a co-author in Jackson's paper, published in the latest edition of the Annals of the Entomologic, Entomological Society of America. It felt good to have so many people support me, and it was cool to see other girls and grown-ups studying bugs, Sophia explained in her contribution to the paper. It made me feel like I could do it too. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
that last one was uh, Paper Dolls by Format, and that brings an end to our show. Running a bit short on time, but I will say that next week the show airs at the same time as Halcon, and it will be my first Halcon. I'm probably going to be there. I don't know if there's going to be a live show next week, but I will probably have at the very least a good chiptune playlist for you to listen to, as well as gaming next month. Uh, But that remains to be seen. You can tune in next week and find out for sure. And um, we will see at that point. Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Segment music composed by Format, Madame Namiki, Noriki Kimikura, Simon Weddington, Nifless, Pink Projects, and Snare. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by The Witching Hour, Sun and Sea at 7 p.m. and at 8.30, anything goes with CKDU Surprise. Comments, questions, want your feature, uh, your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim, S-Y-M. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. There's also a podcast version available uh, of, of this show, and it's available at lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim, or just search for Square Wave Symphony, Square Wave is one word, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio, if you don't know. And I'll see you guys next time.